and save space, everyone. You're watching Kofefi Break, which is a live stream that we do every Monday and Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific. Uh, I'm Carter, and I'm joined by Carrie today. Casual Fridays. You might expect, yes, it's Casual Friday. Carrie has her, I forget the kind of hat that that is. This is the flat cat from Pirate Tomsky. Thank you, Pirate Tomsky. Flat, uh, yeah, I remember who sent it, but I don't remember the Brought title. Brought to you flat by cat. Pirate Tomsky. Arg. Uh, <laughs> please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Uh, and more importantly, go to unsafespace.com where you can always find our videos, articles, and you can support the show if you want to. You can buy merch. Um, and probably other fun stuff there. You can really, look at book club stuff. I we have know. some really fun merch now. I was on, oh, I forgot to tell you, I was on the, uh, that show, The Backstory, this week. And he oh, went to our website yeah. while I was talking to him and, and really liked our mer- our t-shirt designs, which some of them oh, cool. I, had, I hadn't seen before. I said, oh, I like them too. <laughs> 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 Thank you, Becky. Thank you, Beverly. <laughs> well, uh, Beverly, yeah. aren't you supposed to be displaying some merch while we're talking about it? She's uh, <laughs> in charge. She's supposed to be adding <laughs> merch uh, We also overlays. have book club coming up on Sunday, May 2nd. This month, we are reading Douglas Adams, uh, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. We usually alternate. If you're new to our channel, we do a book club. Every month, we alternate between fiction and nonfiction. This month is fiction. And you can join us anytime. You don't have to come to every one. You can come to the ones you want to. If you want to pick up the book, you can go to unsafespace.com backslash book club or just go to the book club page and there's more info. There's links to buy if you don't already own it. And um, it's free to be a part of our book club. Uh, you can be in the video chat discussing with with other people or you can be in the live chat. So Sunday, May 2nd. I like that that Beverly just put up the shirt and it was the censored <clears throat> shirt and it looked like I was censored, which is yes appropriate, I think, uh, since we are still streaming on YouTube. So anyway, today we are we have a couple guests. Only one of them is here right now, but the other one will be joining soon. Um, and the first one we'll introduce is Daniel Wagner from the Unframe of Mind podcast. Daniel, hey. Oh, oh, I'm live. Oh, hey, guys. What's going on? Hi, Daniel. You know what I want to talk to you about today? Not yet. Furniture reupholstery. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Carrie threatened that that was going to be her conversation with you today. Carrie's like, what's the most dry topic we can possibly think of? Golf, there's this hat I'm wearing, and then I'm just kidding. I love the hat. And then there's this upholstery of furniture. <laughs> uh, Daniel and I were texting recently. I didn't realize he does uh, a lot. He does couch flipping and refurbishes beautiful couches. And I sent him a picture. I said, oh, wait, do you look at what I got? On it was a marvelous it, couch. It's a pretty cool couch, right? I think I got, yeah. I think it was $80. It, it was, and, and it was on Facebook Marketplace. It's a beautiful, one of those wood, wooden uh, framed scrolling, uh, like Victorian looking couches with, it's just gorgeous. Marvelous. But, yeah. Uh, Are you going to have a fainting couch in your new house? Yes, of course. Yeah. And there'll, <laughs> okay, be, there'll be a drawer full of pearls next to it. <laughs> yes. That's, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Smelling yeah. Smelling salts reviving you. I, I raced. I was working at Nissan last year. Um, if you guys care to hear a, a short story, but um, basically, I was working at Nissan. Hated it. It's manufacturing work, mind-numbingly boring. And I have a creative mind, so I need to be doing something creative in order to just be content and happy. Um, so we had the furlough during COVID, where I was getting paid literally more money 
outside of work sitting on my butt than I make at work. And I was like, you know what, this is a, this is an opportunity once in a lifetime opportunity. I'm going to take it because, you know, I, I talk to people all the time who are complaining at their job that they, they hate it. They want to get out. They want to do something different and they never do. And I was like, this is a, a golden opportunity. So what I do, I collected the money for a while, but also started something new <laughs> and made sure that, you know, I had a, a way so that once it was all said and done, I could just go ahead and quit. And one of those things was flipping couches, oddly enough, um, not because it's a creative endeavor, but because it gives me the flexibility to be able to do what I want when I want. It's awesome. Flipping couches sounds like generally or just a, like flipping couches or are you like very, very narrowly focused on couch flipping? Um, for, for now, it's mainly couches. I do some like other large appliances and whatnot. Usually it's high dollar items, but usually I'm, I can find tons of couches online. Like I found one that was free the other day and the guy had it posted and it looks kind of okay. He said it just needs a little shampooing. Well, I got there and it looks actually pretty good. It had some some minor repairs that need to be done to it, needed a shampooing. And it was a, an electric uh, reclining couch, dual reclining couch with a matching reclining chair. And I flipped it after... a. I think I figured I made $70 an hour just flipping this couch because I made like $550 on it, got it for free. Like I'm, wow. I find deals like that all the time. And it's just a matter of just go out and just do it. You got to just be willing to get off your butt and just go do stuff. And you can have a life that you actually want. It's It's been it's been so much better for me mentally anyway. Yeah. Couch flipping to me sounds like you're go like Jesus in the temple, like going in and flipping this couch over and I'm flipping this one over. <laughs> right, right. If I'm anything, yeah, if I'm anything, I'm Jesus in the temple, that's for sure. It sounds like a workout or something. <laughs> Actually, it's not a bad idea. You know, couch I feel flipping. like I could this be made into a reality television show like Couch Flipper? Oh, yeah. Look, if anybody's going to make it one, it'll be me. It'll be, it'll be entertaining for sure. No, um, no, I, that's that's just kind of one of my sources of income. And oddly enough, I, I know you guys are still on Facebook, but I had to stop using Facebook because it was such an abusive relationship. And part of my model is I'll find free couches on Facebook Marketplace. So when I'm having opinions on Facebook and they don't like them and they block me for them, well, suddenly for 30 days, last November, I couldn't do any any sales because I couldn't contact anybody through yeah. Messenger, and it was having a huge impact on my my source of income or one of my many sources of income. So I'm like, you know what? Screw you, Facebook. I'm out. The only post I have on there is a breakup letter to Facebook, and then I just my description is says I sell stuff. <laughs> That's wow! It. It's all I use it for now. A breakup letter. I like that. Yeah, definitely. Right. Pretty cool. <laughs> I've noticed that if you have a pickup truck, mm -hmm. um your perspective on the world changes because there are so many cheap and free things, especially large items that people don't know what to do with or don't want. And you basically just have to be able to go get them. And if you don't have a pickup, you can't go get them. <laughs> this is true. As someone who's only ever owned a pickup truck, uh, it also means that you sometimes have impulse control issues because you're like, yeah, I can pick this up, <laughs> pick that up right now. Is your garage stack full of stuff? <laughs> And, no. and oddly, oddly enough, um, the, the number one vehicle for millionaires is a pickup truck. So just, you know, take that with a grain of salt. But no, um, matter of fact, I managed, I had uh, picked up some fencing panels for free from somebody. I got like 17 of these pre-built fencing, you know, segments, sections. I took them and created a, basically a shelter for my couches. I can now currently store like five in that storage area, one on my porch and one inside the living room if I have to. So I can store up to seven just here on the property without having to start, you know, purchasing a 
storage unit on the side. So it kind of works out. Count. Yeah. Well, uh, well I assume Terry wanted to talk about something other than reupholstering yeah. couches, but I don't know. Hey, I mean, I, honestly, though, if we didn't, if we were not live and had to keep other people interested i would just talk to you about furniture all day hey i'm 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 game we can you look remodeling houses um but okay but let's talk about there's oh gosh there's a couple things in the news i told carter beforehand that i definitely want to get to one of them i'm going to save until libby gets here because there's an article she wrote about this one topic that I i want to talk about when she's here but first of all uh i haven't given enough attention yet in my mind i guess I haven't given enough attention yet to what's happening with the Democrats putting forward these bills to stack the Supreme Court, to change the makeup of the Supreme Court. And then also, did they introduce another bill to get rid of the Electoral College? I don't know. I haven't seen that. Well, Daniel, do you know if they introduced a bill to get rid of the Electoral College? I, I could not tell you. I thought I saw that yesterday, but I was running out to an event and I did not get time to read it. Um, you know, you know, one of the funny thing about being an anarchist is, you know, you don't really feel like it's a priority to pay attention to what politicians are doing. Yeah, that's right. probably true. But, but the thing about I just Google court, news searched electoral college and it doesn't show. It doesn't show any up. Kind of oh my okay. God, bro, bro. You did not just Google anything. Did you? <laughs> well, because Google news is kind of like the mainstream thing. This is where they would be talking about it because they would be excited about a bill. So I assume. Oh, okay. Using Google to spy on the enemy. I'll accept. That's it. Just file Oh yeah, I well, mean, I've got. Look, I look. I I go to enemy websites absolutely because we need to talk about <laughs> the enemies. Do we? Yeah. Do we? <laughs> so, so much better to just never look at CNN again, especially after yeah. that Project Veritas video. Yeah. Well. So, oh, so, yeah. so But let's talk about the Supreme Court first. So okay. I, I I just want to wrap my head around this because I'm. At this point, I think I know we always have these episodes. Where we're kind of saying, well, if you haven't woken up yet. You know, can you still wake up? Is there still hope for you? I'm at a point now with the Supreme Court, the, the fact that they're trying to change the makeup of the Supreme Court, where I am starting to now question if this doesn't wake you up, what will wake you up? Because they not only, okay, so first there's the issue of them just being outright liars. He lied during the election and said he wasn't going to do this. Um, and of course, anybody who said they're going to stack the Supreme Court, we were called crazy, conspiracy theorists, whatever. Now they're saying, yeah, we're going to do this. We're introducing this bill. And the there's, the second issue is the way they're using Orwellian, Orwellian manipulative language. Hi, Libby. Hey, how's it going? Hi. Um, I, I'm talking about the Supreme Court thing that they're putting forward. They're using this language. I saw someone yesterday. They're saying, we're not, this is not a bill to stack the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court is stacked, and we're trying to unstack it. That's what the, they said. They said this. We're trying the, to unstack the unpack. It. I think it was unpack, wasn't it? It was uh, yeah. Jerry um, Nadler. So there's that yeah. issue. Wow. They're and just, then the they're third just rebalancing thing that, it. Yeah, just rebalancing it. it. It's only been since what 18 like 80 or something like that. It's just it's it's time. <laughs> yeah. It's time. Is that the, yeah? That's the third thing. Is that this is the, are people really so? Uh, I guess blind that they don't see any possible repercussions from this. If they're just looking at the momentary temporary power gain and that, and that's enough to, to make such a fundamental change. Yeah. I love you, Carrie. 
What? Yes, yes, that's exactly what. Yes, they on. are. That's yes, they are. That blind. Literally everything that's that done ever, ever. Point. Yeah, any, anything ever, ever done in politics is done in the pursuit of more power, keeping it and maintaining it. But just now, <laughs> like <laughs> it's this. Hey, I my the funniest thing about that whole question was that you started off with like he lied. This <laughs> this politician lied outright. <laughs> yeah, but doesn't just, that, just, that just that, like, I, I was saying, Libby, Libby, right before you joined, I was saying that I, we, Carter's always saying, well, sometimes we'll say, well, if people haven't woken up yet, can they still wake up? And I'm always like, no, no, they can still wake up. That people have different thresholds for delusion, self-delusion. But at this point, I'm starting to get close to, okay, if the Supreme Court thing doesn't wake you up and you're a real liberal, like what will? Well, some people don't care about the too. Supreme Court as much, right? I don't know. I mean, it's interesting because you have to think of the Supreme Court in context of it being just one of three branches of government, right? So the Democrats control the executive branch, they control the legislative branch, and they're not going to be satisfied until they control the judicial branch as well. Um, it's a drastic power grab. It's the entire point is to control the entirety of government so that the 75 million people or whatever that uh, were opposed to this administration do not get a say, right? They think that anybody who's opposed to the administration is white supremacist, racist, deplorable, you know, choose your epithet, and that these people don't have any place to have a voice in the United States, that their voices need to be crushed, that their the social media platforms the media they consume, their entertainment, literally everything that this group of 75 million people like to have in their lives is something that needs to be destroyed, right? We've been seeing it for a while. Church needs to be destroyed. Um, heterosexuality needs to be destroyed. Uh, the very concept of male and female needs to be destroyed. So until they have the full control of all three branches of government, they're not going to be able to thoroughly shove this new version of reality down our throats. But they're getting close. They're getting really yeah. close. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's one of the uh, things we have to ask ourselves yeah. is why now, because I mean, getting back to what Daniel said, right? They've always, politicians have always been about power. That's what politics is about. And the question is, why do they feel comfortable enough now proposing this? Because they've wanted all three branches of government forever. That's what they want. Um, I disagree. And I, think I don't. Cultures think, shifted. Uh, no, you don't think they've always wanted all three? I think everybody has always. I mean, a politician wants power. That's always the case. But I think this kind of power grab with this kind of righteous indignation behind it, this religious fervor of social justice correctitude, that's new. Right? Let me give you this idea that we literally have to squash dissent because there's a moral problem with the people who are dissenting. That's a new, that's a new thing mm. that we're seeing from the left. I think specifically mind, in this century. Mind if I throw a different frame of mind to look at it? Um, you, uh, you, you said uh, some kind of indignation is is what's going on. They're just getting bold, and from what I'm looking at, it looks more like desperation. Um, and and the reason oh, I, the reason I say that it's it's the reason they're, they're they're getting more bold with it is because they're running out of time and they know it. The U.S. dollar's collapsing. We know this. I mean, they're just printing money like crazy. It's I always compare it to like the uh, the, the the white collar version of the rioters uh, or the the looters, you know, 
robbing a, a Dollar General. <laughs> That's a great <laughs> comparison, Daniel. It's, it's, it's way, way more more profitable, of course. But, you know, they're, they're in there just bailing money out as much as they can and taking what they can and giving it to their friends as quick as they can. And we've seen a pattern over the last decade or so, at least. Uh, they keep trying to get us back into war. And the reason they need war is because people are much more willing to accept austerity measures in those times when, you know, that's when they kind of like can rebalance the books. They're, they're out of control spending and debt and power grabs have kind of, it kind of comes back into frame a little bit. But if you're asking people to, to, to cut back and, uh, you know, work on participating on a bigger effort for the country, for, for your fellow man, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, if there's no major war going on, if there's no major boogeyman, well, now they're running out of things to call boogeymen. You know, people are wisening up to this. You know, we, we've got a, a, a not insignificant portion of the population looking at COVID and looking at uh, whatever else, whatever the, the, the race war, you know, whatever new thing they're throwing in front of us. And they're running out of boogeymen to put in front of us because we just keep knocking them down. We just keep looking at them going, yeah, I'll, I'll take my chances over here. You know, I'm good. And I think it's just honestly coming from a, a point of desperation because they are running out of time. That's why we have uh, sanctions back against Russia so we can start sending Russia. We can pull attention from China, which is actually a much more dangerous, I think, adversary. Mm -hmm. um, that's why, you know, Biden is going back into his Iran deal being like, hey, actually, why don't you make some nuclear weapons? That's a great idea. You know, then we can be angry about that. But the printing money thing, too, is interesting that you bring that up, because, of course, isn't that what happened in Weimar Germany? Germany is the, the it government happens in every printing. late stage. Right. Yeah. But they Venezuela, started printing money Weimar like Republic. crazy. Yep. And the thing is, they've spent all this time completely annihilating our educational system. So everyone knows what critical race theory is. No one knows the history of pre-World War II Europe. And we should yeah. probably know that if we want to, say, avoid massive genocide and dictatorships. Yeah. Well, By the way, and they've, and they've only learned half the lesson from the 20th century, right? Mm -hmm. They've learned right. fascism is bad, but not Marxism. Tax Terror agrees right. with you. She just gave us a super chat and said, this is exactly why there is warmongering going on right now with Russia. Yep. Yep. I mean, yep. we, we knew we knew if Hillary Clinton was going to be elected, she was already rare and ready to go to war with Russia. Like they need it. They know they need war. And how many times have yeah. we tried to go to war with Syria? Like, ooh, that evil guy over in Syria is doing things to his people, even though it doesn't make logical sense to anybody who's thinking about it. <laughs> people are like rising. I think people are getting smarter and they're getting dumber at the same time. It's 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 such a weird juxtaposition in, in just interacting with people online. It's like some people really get it and some people just really, really don't. And back to uh, Carrie's concern about, you know, is it is it getting too late for people to wake up? I mean, there is cer a certain point when the ship is sinking and you just got to go ahead and just leave the people behind that because they're, they're refusing to come along, you know, I mean, I hate it for him, but that's like Carter's house on fire analogy. He's, he often says, or has said before that the house is on fire and I'm still running in trying to pull people out that don't want to come. And he's busy digging a trench around the house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just, I just imagine somebody sitting on the couch in the middle of the flames. Hold on after this round. Hold I'm on. like, get out of here. <laughs> right. It's a little bit warm, but it'll be fine. I uh, think the thing too, is that people are forgetting that our rights are sacrosanct. You know, it's like, it's hard to, um, it's hard to look for us, right? We look at the U.S. and we say our rights are being squashed in this area, in this area, in this area. And what you're seeing on the left is people saying, "Well, there are things more important than our rights." And that's I don't think never they know the what case. rights are. Are they forgetting, or are they just never have they just never been taught? 
Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you know, a lot of people in my family are leftist. Uh, you know, my mom, for example, we argued about the Supreme Court this morning. She's incredibly intelligent. Um, we disagree. And when we disagree, it's fine. And then, you know, we go on to talk about whatever's going on with my brother's dog, you know. Yeah, that's long. great. But, mm. yeah. um, but it wasn't always the case. It wasn't, that was not the case during the election season. Uh, and everybody is so sure that they're right, that there's no room to have a conversation. That's, I think, a huge part of this. I don't think Americans are stupid. I think Americans are really bright. I think, um, you know, this lie that we've been told that the middle of the country, et cetera, is stupid. It's just, I mean, it's a lie. Uh, the problem is that we're not having any sort of functioning discourse. There's no functioning discourse at the highest level of government. There's no functioning discourse in media. And I'm in media, right? That's my whole job. Um, and there is no crossover. Mm-hmm. For the most part, the people that read the Times, you know, they're not going to read the post-millennial, which is where I am. They're not going to read reason as well. That's different than it used to be. And Lord, if you uh, want to challenge, try, you know, try listening to guys like uh, Jimmy Dore or David Pakman. Like they have. Yeah. And, and try to and, and try to actually challenge the opposing argument. And, and I find more people on the right actually do this. They, they do at least listen to what the other side's saying and trying to understand where they're coming from. And. The, the left doesn't they just kind of like shut them out you know echo chamber la 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 fingers in my ears you know it's it's you know not all of them of course but i mean there's this does seem to be a, a general trend i've experienced yeah. i don't really actually, think they believe was, that go ahead oh, go, go ahead. ahead no i was thinking about that this morning um because we are in this frame of of conversation where like in the country where there's on the left primarily is this idea that you can't talk to someone who disagrees with you because if they disagree with you there's something wrong with them and their view and this goes back i think to the 90s when i was in high school and there's this idea emerged uh if you're racist i can't talk to you right i remember very distinctly a friend of mine telling me about a friend of his in college and he was hearing his friend who was i don't know from somewhere in the south talk about where I've like never been, but um, hearing someone in the South talk about, uh, you know, their views on race. And my friend was saying that his impulse was to say to this person, you know, shut up before I have to hate you, right? Because you are espousing some sort of uh, racist view. So that idea, I can't talk to you if you're racist, right? If you're expressing a view became I can't talk to you if you're expressing a view that I disagree with. And that is where we are. In the same way that the lessons of the civil rights movement have been applied to every other rights movement, even though they don't actually apply at all. It's a, you know, they're all, it's all a completely different. Civil rights is hugely a huge achievement in American history, um, but it doesn't apply to every single rights movement. It's all sort of different. And that's where we landed with this idea. It's like, if you're racist, I can't talk to you, is now, if you disagree with me, I can't talk to you. And it does come from the left, and it does come from a place of moral superiority. Because after they destroyed religion, after they destroyed the entire concept that morality comes from someplace else, they had to create a new place for morality to come from. And this is this is what we have. It's like you always carry, it's a religion. Yeah. Yeah. Don't you think, though, that this, I mean, if I, as an atheist, uh, I, you know, I do think that the the tearing down of religion has had negative consequences, primarily because it wasn't replaced by anything <laughs> coherent. Um, but, 
you know, I I see what you're saying, but I I see this as an inevitable repercussions that happen. The the more irrational the philosophy becomes, the more religious it's clung to. So when when it was just a little bit of leftism, it was mildly irrational, but they were still mostly rational. So they m mildly didn't like disagreement. But the more mm -hmm. irrational your beliefs become, the less you can handle. You can't tolerate disagreement if you don't have a a rational argument. And so I think what we've what you're talking about is just a slow march of the left from slight irrationality in you know several decades ago to increasing irrationality and to the point where now you they, there's a there's a legitimate reason why they can't talk to other people uh there's two that i can think of right off the top of my head one is their friends like they have a guilt by association problem so if i talk to the person suddenly i've talked to them and now i'm the bad person uh okay. and the other main reason is they have no arguments they can't actually they can't have a conversation because they have no arguments so well, it's what, very it's, scary to talk to someone like that. Well, the the first point you made, it's actually pretty rational, actually. If I knew that I would be like shunned from society for associating with the enemy or I could lose my job and livelihood if I am, am caught talking to the wrong person and the mob comes after me, I would be scared. I'm, I would, that would be a rational calculation, you know, in their defense. I, I get it. I understand where it's coming from. Is it right? I don't I, I don't think so. Maybe. I mean, there, there is something to be said about social ostracism to get people to kind of do what you want or behave the way you're supposed to behave. You know, um, there, there is some power in that. And it's a way of um, controlling society in a way without actually, you know, using force to make it happen. You know, it's still kind of voluntary that they do it um, well, that's on the, the second part. Yeah, yeah, that was the first part on the second part. As far as having no arguments again, I, I mean, I would challenge you to listen to some of the stronger uh, uh, opponents on your on the, uh, the other side of your own arguments. Um, there's there's a lot of stuff. Like I said, David Pakman will talk about, and I'm listening to him going, "Wow, okay." So it, what I'm hearing is both sides doing the same thing. They will hold up the worst. You know, it's just like the straw man, the classic straw man. They'll hold up like kind of the mm -hmm. the, the weakest argument of the other guy and knock it down or make it up. But when they're actually hold, taking up some of the stronger points, which I've heard it referred to as a steel man argument, they'll take the stronger arguments and actually knock them down. And then, you know, you, you kind of start listening and, and, and you hear a lot of the same things from both sides. If, if you're still in the paradigm of looking at things through two sides, which I'm not, <laughs> but it's just. Well, neither am I, but I want to clarify here. I, yeah. I know the arguments. I mean, I've, I've read Gramsci and Marcusa and critical race theory. Like, I know the intellectual substance here. It's well, you're an exception. False. You're, you're it's an exception. False. Yeah. Well, but my point is they have become increasingly irrational. They've increasingly in embraced patently false and ridiculous philosophy, and that gets more and more difficult to defend. Um, yeah, and it's yeah. it's especially hard when you translate it into layman, and they don't really know. They don't even have the tap dance memorized for the the postmodern tap dance memorized to to get their way out of arguments. They just kind of say a thing because they've been taught it as an an axiom. And if you counter it, they don't really have a counter argument. That's, to it. that's what makes it a religion, of course. I mean, when you look at yes. strict adherence to religion, and that's what happens is you can't defend it. So you go with the irrational arguments. I don't know if you guys saw there was um, uh, the governor of Utah had a radio question show yesterday that he was on. 
And someone, you know, people call in, constituents call in, and someone called in from a uh, what turned out to be a very wealthy city in Utah asking if the Utah Jazz is a um, scholarship program that specifically excludes white kids is racist. It's a program that was put into place this year. It's specifically for students of color who are going into um, first year of college next year or the year after or whatever. And every time the Utah Jazz wins and they're doing incredible this season, they uh, give a scholarship to an, you know, underprivileged, well-deserving, et cetera, et cetera, child. So, you know, that's cool. As long right? as they're not white. Money. white. Right. But, they're, but they can't but be white. That's the and, thing. Right? Okay. <laughs> they can't be white. So that's the caveat. That's the only thing. Right? <laughs> you can't be white and get this scholarship. So a constituent called in and asked if that was racist. And the cops, what's his name? Spencer. I don't know. I don't know Utah. But anyway, he, he says, uh, no, that's not racist because all kids deserve to have the same opportunities as all other kids. He actually said that. And didn't even, did, just didn't even didn't realize. didn't even realize that what he was saying is, no, discrimination isn't racist, right? That's what he was saying, discrimination's not racist. Now, if you can argue for the merits of affirmative action. You can argue for the merits of a major league, whatever, uh, NBA team, only giving scholarships to students based on that are of the correct skin color. You can argue that if you want, but to make the argument that all kids deserve the same opportunities, so it's important to discriminate against children based on their skin color is just absolutely insane. And he said, mm -hmm. he just didn't even realize at all that this was what he was saying. And it's, What's it, different about that? And they sort of shocking to hear. What's that? Affirmative action. Well, that's a question, right? What is the difference between that and affirmative, affirmative action? Affirmative action is racist. <laughs> are we? Are we? At I, a I don't point think there where, is. But I'm asking you what the difference is. I don't. I don't think there is a difference. Um, I don't think that. Uh, I don't. You know, affirmative action is such a dodgy thing. I grew up with affirmative action being touted as a very um, essential thing. I grew up very, you know, in a very liberal household. I grew up in very liberal schools, you know, prep school and the whole thing. So it's interesting because on the one hand, you can say uh, historical disadvantages mean that um, there should be uh, perhaps more opportunity. You can say it, but it doesn't actually seem to make any sense. Clarence Thomas speaks against it. Um, and his documentary was banned from Amazon. So the more we get into it and the more wow. it becomes entrenched, the more these concepts become entrenched, the less reasonable they seem. I, I know in the arts, in the theater, um, what happens is playwrights, for example, which is the area that I used to know a lot about, um, or was involved in and still know a fair bit about. Anyway, the, uh, the idea that you submit your play to a theater company and they're going to do something with it and there's money or whatever, whatever. Most of the opportunities, I, I won't say all because I haven't looked at every single opportunity, but most of the opportunities for playwrights today, you have to um, say that you are one of the specified preferred identities in order to have your play be submitted. Um, moreover, you can't, you can't, Right, but you can't write a play. If you're a white person and you write a play where the white person, there's a white person as a main character, 
that's racist. If you are a white person and you write a play where a not white person is the main character, that's racist. If you write a play where a white person <laughs> is the main character and their best friend is a person who is not white, that's racist because of a sidekick syndrome type of thing. So basically, yeah. if you're a white person engaging in the theater arts, don't because you have absolutely no recourse. You have no way to get through there. This it's just in, all it's just all racist. This happened in young adult fiction as well. They right. started dragging and you know doing the whole canceling thing with authors in the young adult world who. Uh, for the same reason. They said, you're not writing, if you're white um, and you're just writing white characters, it's racist. You're not, your your book is not diverse and inclusive enough. And you need to write diverse characters. And then they would drag white authors for writing diverse characters and say, oh, well, now you're culturally appropriating and writing about an experience that's not yours. And right. so it's a catch 22. Well, which as a result. <laughs> As a result, you end up with these, uh, these, uh, all these people putting out content that seems like they're right. They're just copying each other. They're all in agreement with each other. And I haven't watched TV in years, but I tried to watch a show my wife was watching the other day. Oh, what was it, it? What was it? Yeah, I can't. Even I've remember. had the same experience lately, so I'm I don't know what the show was. But like, I, you know, I'm sitting there on my phone. I'm, I'm doing some other stuff, and I'm listening. And I'm kind of peeking in once in a while, and I'm like. This is so formulaic and predictable yes. and boring. You already kind of know who's going to do what because, you know, there's certain rules about what you can and can't do with your characters now. And like every episode, not like every every uh, show has a gay couple. And now every show has got a trans trans person in it, even though uh, when you when you're looking at the, the, the percentage they represent in population overall, you might more realistically, you'd see a trans person on one or two movies out of 30, you know, it's, right. it's, it's just yeah. the same thing played over and over again. And Oh my God, TV's so freaking boring as a result. Yeah. Well, and it's Halle like, Berry, uh, I think was supposed to like Halle Berry was supposed to play, I think a trans character in a movie and they, they, they forced a black woman to give up her role because it was like racist that she would be playing a trans person. Well, I also right? think we should just, I think we should just use the term racist for all of it. Right. Yeah. So, like, if you're again, if you're like supposedly anti something, like it should just all be called racist. I think because that's what we're really talking about. We're applying the rules of, um, you know, anti like what used to be anti racism and is now racist anti racism to well, literally everything. Now, I've created a term for this very thing, this profession, this uh, being oh, able okay. to kind of see everything as, you know, through through these races, everything's racist lenses, or you just, you just want to be offended by everything. And we have a segment, my, my co-host, uh, Anthony, uh, and I will have a, a segment called the Phobismist, and it's made up of phobism and ist, and it's, it's a profession. <laughs> <laughs> and our, our job, phobismist. We, we, <laughs> we take it as our job to tell the audience how they should be offended by things. And I have, it's so much fun actually to come up with uh, different, different mundane items or ideas and tell people why they should be offended. But what's even scarier is when I'm doing, when I pick a topic that I think, oh, nobody could possibly be offended by this. Let's figure out how it's offensive. Well, I'll go do a search and it turns out there's already three articles there's, on it. There's already <laughs> articles. Yeah. I, um, it happened with, uh, I think uh, the one that comes to mind was Valentine's Day was one that I was, I was going to do that. And it was like, well, everybody likes Oh, heteronormative, misogynistic. Yeah, that was blah, horrifying. Blah, 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 and I'm like, are you kidding? Wow. That's 
man, they're better at this job than I am. I need more practice. <laughs> it's so speaking much fun. Of You'll never be as good as they Anthony, are. Uh, spe- speaking of your co-host, Anthony, he's, yeah. he gave us a super chat. Hi, Anthony. He says, can we all take a moment and admire Daniel's beard? <laughs> okay. Now yes. that we're done with that. Um, <laughs> no, no. It's like um, on- it's it's on Urban Dictionary, so hell, if go go there and go there and give Phobismus to like and share it with your friends. Did you add it there? <laughs> yeah, I added it there. <laughs> and and I wrote the description. I wrote the description. It's I can I can definitely uh, write better than I can speak. So <laughs> take that for what it's worth. But it's so much it's so much fun. Um, I think we I think we did a whole episode about how Humpty Dumpty was offensive. And and the reason why you know we uh, everybody assumes Humpty's gender, it never actually specifically says what his gender is. Why is the egg white? You know, just dumb things like that. Why did the king's horses and king's men put together the horse? Put, try to put Humpty together. If these women would have had a chance to put Humpty back together, then maybe he'd be okay. But you yeah, know, never just, mind that it's fat shaming. I mean, yeah, come on. right, right. Yeah, just stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah basically, point. it totally. was so much fun. <laughs> So much That's fun. Funny. It's fat shaming. <laughs> I just want to read a couple of these real quick so we, we get through them. Super chats. Azer. Hello, Azer. He says, hi, Karen Carter. How are you beautiful? We are doing great. 2A self-defense law says there's a false premise, a false promise that the Supreme Court shouldn't be left-leaning or right-leaning. I do believe we need more justices on the Supreme Court. Oh, that's interesting. But how we go about it, I'm not clear. Uh, that's surprising to me. Azar says people are thinking that rights come from the state. Yes, I think that. Yeah, and, and they don't know what they are, Azar, right? They like, you've heard the word rights be conflated. Even, I mean, since I was a child, uh, the right to housing, the right to health care, the right to, like, none of those are rights. Um, none of those are rights, no. But they they are conflated. And actually, though the, the ersatz rights have now taken precedence over actual rights. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The only rights we have are natural rights, you know, that I feel we got from God. I think that's that. Anything else over and above that is the realm of the government, um, which is the people, ideally. So, But yeah, I mean, the government is like really ought not be infringing upon our rights. That's why we have government. We have or government so that they don't infringe on our rights. To stop them from doing that. Yes. Yeah. Like, or it just ought not be in existence, period. That would be great. What? No government at all? Oh, so, so Daniel is an anarchist. Out. Absolutely. Absolutely. We do, we do it every day anyway. We're, we, all, we all do it. We all live as anarchists. We just don't realize it. Hey, yeah, I'm also an anarchist. True. Don't you know? Don't just throw Daniel under the bus. I'm also. <laughs> That's but, true. So, but Libby doesn't uh, know Daniel. So Daniel hosts a podcast called Unframe of Mind. Libby mm-hmm. is a journalist who writes for Post Millennial and a variety of other places. Hi, Libby. Nice to meet you. Hi. How's it going? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love, I love a good beard. writer. I love a good writer. Okay, Blackbeard, I'm just going to do a couple more. Blackbeard says, no, I think we've convinced all the stupid people that being being smart is overrated and being morally superior is where it's at. I don't know. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think they, they both think that they're morally and intellectually superior. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the, the truth is, I just want to, there is a, I agree with you, Ebby, that the flyover states are not dumb, but we do have a particular problem in that uh, the, Elite institutions do tend to like higher IQ people do tend to gravitate to elite institutions, and the elite institutions are leftist indoctrination camps. And so, it's only are not necessarily a function of them being smarter 
that makes them Marxists. It's the fact that being smarter increases the likelihood that you go to Harvard and that makes you a Marxist. That wasn't always the case, I think. No, but it is now. It is now. I mean, it used to be that what got you into Harvard was um, money and family connections. And then you would maybe Harvard was a bad example, but Berkeley. It's we'll all see. right. Berkeley, I think, has been a indo- indoctrination thing for a while. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, and just the idea that, you know, everybody thinks that the path is go to college, get a degree, get a job and completely forgets about, you know, technical colleges and things like that. I think that's really interesting, too. And I'm super curious as to this. Is a, I'm working on an article um, now about the ways in which our educational system is designed to make stupid people. I think that there are three very key elements that are uh, in play right now that are fully designed to make people as stupid as possible. Uh, in addition to critical race theory, which I think is nothing, there's no critical thought in it at all. There's also this remote learning. I don't know if any of you have um, kids, my son's in fifth grade and he's been doing remote learning for like a year. As soon as it was possible to send him to school, I send him to school and then they close for 10 days because somebody gets sick, whatever. Anyway, so remote learning is is not learning. It's a, it's a technical purgatory of nothing where all of the kids just try and watch YouTube videos. And to a certain extent, it's like, yeah, watch, watch game theory. That's actually kind of smarter than whatever is going on in your social studies class. <laughs> and then no, no, the would, other, what? I, say, I wouldn't say you want stupid people necessarily because you, you need to have people that are smart enough to be able to create taxes. They need to be smart enough to actually <laughs> work, hold a job. They need to be um, obedient enough. They need to lack any mm-hmm. kind of uh, inquisitive nature you you can't question anything you just kind of have to like learn to follow orders follow directions get up at the bell go to the next class do what the teacher says listen i would use a very straightforward single word to describe all of that which is just stupid i think that's what that is someone who (laughs) lacks any inquisitiveness any curiosity any imagination regardless of whether or not they can do the tasks of a trained monkey is a stupid person (laughs) That's what, and then we also have this other thing that's going on, which is the complete decimation of any standards across the board. Mm. Um, in New York City, they're pulling all of the, uh, you know, smart tracks, and they're saying, okay, nobody gets to go on a smart track anymore. Everyone's just going to go to their normal zoned school. We're not going to divide out um, academic achievers, which. This thing pisses me off to no end. Do that. They're also pulling standardized testing, which I don't think makes you smart. I don't think it does anything like that, but it does measure how students are doing against a set of standards. We're pulling the standards. We're pulling the measure. We're not going to have any idea how kids are doing. We're doing that in part because why? Because it's racist on the one hand to have standards. And also because falling short of standards is making people feel bad after a year of having had a really crappy education. So we don't want to measure how poorly our educational system has served our students. So we're not going to have standards at all is what's going on. The pulling of the gifted and talented programs is something that makes me furious <laughs> uh yeah just I because even in these programs i like just definitely <clears throat> i got boosted into a gnt program in fourth grade and within two weeks i was out of it again so you know can we please but, just keep them out of my classroom 
Oh wait. Oh wait. So you you support getting rid of the gifted and talented? Programs? No, no, no. Oh, no, okay. I think yeah, it's so perfectly acceptable. Just like you know, I'm not going to be on the varsity soccer team. Yeah. Yeah. That's that, and and gifted and talented programs, especially in New York, are what offer opportunities to a lot of low income, especially exactly. Asian American immigrants. The children yeah. of Asian American immigrants are the ones who are most benefiting from these programs and working their butts off to get into them and and to rip that out from under them, this avenue of opportunity, it's is I just and think being it's done a crime. by the same politicians that decry, you know, AAPI hate or whatever it is that the yeah. being called. Right. So they're saying like, let's get rid of AAPI hate, which seems to be a lot of economic crimes against old people in San Francisco which, you know, because it's an anarchist city, I suppose that's what we get. And then, you know, they don't care that- It's not an anarchist city. I'm gonna no, defend right anarchy all, right now. Right. No. Okay. <laughs> I, I used to hang out with some chaotic in my youth. Anyway, chaotic I live here. It's not an anarchist city, trust me. <laughs> okay, chaotic and disordered okay. maybe, but not not anarchic. <laughs> it was a cheap shot anyway. Did well. <laughs> Can, there's a, I, wanna, I wanna present a fourth thing to you, Libby, um, because so I homeschooled oh, my daughter my story, for a while, but I, I know. Okay. you know, I, 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 I homeschooled my daughter for a while, but this past uh, year, um, due to issues that I don't want to talk about too much on air, we, we ended up sending her to a private school. And, um, you know, I, I hear, I hear most of what you're talking about is public school stuff. And mm -hmm. I, I'm just going to draw a circle around that and stick it in the category of you can't fix bureaucracy and publicly funded crap. So let's talk about school generally. <laughs> um, Another problem I think that produces what you're calling stupid people or what we can call drones or zombies who are just going to do what they're told is I've watched, you know, I have a, I have an engineering and science background. I have a degree in engineering and device physics. And like, I, I, I have an engineering background and I watch how science is taught and, you know, they are, there is an explicit activism bent to how science is introduced to kids to the extent that rather than learn actual science, they first learn conclusions of science. So for example, uh, my daughter's in sixth grade. She's done a unit on climate change. She's doing units on climate change and that kind of stuff right now in school. Now, those are incessant. I don't think they do anything else. Well, a sixth grader doesn't know chemistry. She hasn't been taught. I mean, I've taught her some chemistry and some like basic, like here's, this is what an atom is a molecule. Like, but at school, no one has taught anything about chemistry, uh, phys like fundamental physics, like thermodynamics. None of the factors that are necessary scientifically to even have a discussion about climate change have been introduced. So they've, they've inverted the knowledge hierarchy. And instead of teaching fundamental things first, and then in later years, trying to, even if you disagree with their activism, if you're going to do the activism, you need to teach the conclusions after you've laid the foundation and then, and then lead them along and say, well, this is what we think these foundations lead to this conclusion and therefore activism. Like, I don't agree with that, but that's actually the, intellectually, that's the order, but they've reversed the order. And when you reverse the order, it's, it's not science anymore. It's literally just indoctrination. 
climate change has these effects and this is what's going on and blah, 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 blah. But she can't validate that herself because she doesn't have the context of knowledge to validate that. And it's the opposite of actual education. And I think it's intentional. I think well, so not, too. Not I only, also think it's intentional. Yeah, not only that, but kids don't really, let's, let's be frank, most kids don't give a shit about chemistry. They don't, they don't care about, you know, science necessarily until, you know, you get a little older and you make it a little more interesting for them. But younger kids being taught uh, about climate change, you think about that, um, they, they're very interested in surviving and living. <laughs> but if they're told that yeah. if, if, they, if we don't well, and participating in the activist, uh, I mean, it's in the news all the time. There's marches and especially in the Bay Area, there's always crap. Having an opinion that's that's laced with uh, aphorisms you can throw out because you learned them in science class makes you more socially acceptable and well, like I mean, there, there's there was, a reason to learn it, right? There was an entire generation that was in constant fear of nuclear winter at any moment. And as a result, if you think, I, hey, I'm just, I got to live now in the moment because I'm going to die any day. It's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. Um, you don't tend to start thinking for your long-term you know, survival and, 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 and making sure you, you save for the future. And, and you don't think about your future self anymore because as far as you, you're concerned, that person doesn't exist or won't exist. And I think we're seeing the same thing with the climate change type propaganda is like, well, we're going to die in 10 years. So, you know, I can imagine there's going to be an entire generation of kids, again, that are so scared that they're going to die any day that they're not going to even consider the possibility that they could make it be beyond that point, you know? That's and, extinction and as we're, rebellion. That's these well, I mean, people who are like, you know, I'm not going to have kids because we're all just going to die in 10 years. Fucking John Kerry, right. like the world is going to end in, what, what do you say, nine years? He actually said that. Yeah. He actually yeah. said they, that. They and then the White it. House was asked about it, right? I mean, she was already adult, right? Like we knew that. John Kerry's been in politics so long, um, which I guess makes it even more apparent that he's a fool. But when the White House was asked about it, uh, what's her name? Jen Psaki was like, oh, I don't have anything else to preview for you on that the world's going to end in nine years. Yeah. 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 Lunacy. I don't have, well, there, I, I think I, Kerry, wasn't it last September? I made a note on my calendar. A few years ago, oh, yeah. I, it was like AOC, like some, a few major groups predicted the, like the, the point of no return climate change was over by, it was some date in 2020, I think. And you and had it, it and it came up on his calendar alerts. It's like the day of no return. The, right. The world's <laughs> nothing, ending now. Like, oh, nothing. <laughs> and the way yeah. that you can see that it's just this garbage activist cause is that no one's trying to do anything other than get human progress to stop in its tracks. Right. What would be yes. a smart, a smarter move would be like, Let's say you believe that this is the thing. Okay, a smarter move would be like, uh, this is what's happening. Let's figure out some ways to adapt so that human beings can continue to live in comfort and whatever else. But we're not looking for any measure of adaptation. We're just trying to stop everything, stop producing oil. We're not looking for like a new fuel source that would be both more powerful and cleaner and all. Oh, well, I guess actually we had one, right? And the same people who were terrified of nuclear winter right. put a stop to it because they were so terrified, even though no one died from uh, nuclear power plants. And people die from, you know, we have like all kinds of other things happening all the time, like the uh, oh, coal plants have, have. Right. Yeah, yeah. There, there's deaths from coal plants and coal miners and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I, I think I just I want to really underscore what you're saying, because the, the to me, the, the thing that betrays the motivation of the uh, environmentalist movement is the right question to ask is it, the, the right the right perspective is we are about human thriving how do we make sure humans can continue to thrive on the planet 
And that's a legitimate question. How can humans continue to thrive? But that's not the perspective they take at all. And they have no, no regard for how the, the proposals, especially or energy proposals, impact the poorest people in the world. There are people, you know, burning wood inside their small thatch <laughs> roof places, like inhaling smoke. Like there's people who don't have refrigeration. All that stuff is made like it's it's cheap energy that makes life possible uh, for humans. And the people in the first world country who have their iPhones and can flip a switch and turn on the lights and open their refrigerator and have it stocked full of food from various places around the world and and preserved and can go to a place and get medicine that's that's been cryogenically uh, preserved or needs to be refrigerated or whatever. They have no regard for the people who are living without power, electricity, air conditioning, basic medical supplies, all the stuff that energy produces, like energy is necessary for the first world existence. And we just don't seem to care. Mm -hmm. Well, and it also has left people out of poverty worldwide. We have, um, we have like a much higher bar for what poverty is than we used to have. So mm -hmm, yes. as we as we do better, we just continue to raise the bar. Actually, so the postmodulists, uh, we're a Canadian publication. I'm in New York. Um, I mostly cover American stuff. But it's interesting because I was talking to our political editor the other day, Nico Johnson, about um, why Americans aren't more interested in what's going on in Canada. So Canadian politics, it turns out, is fascinating. The whole Canadian social situation is really like intriguing. They have lockdowns and curfews at 8 p.m., even though less people have had coronavirus in the entirety of Canada, I think, than have died in, the, in New York City, probably. I don't know the numbers, but that's probably true. So I'll just throw it out there. But anyway, I was saying that mostly the reason Americans don't care about what's going on in Canada or literally anywhere else is because we're at the top of this pyramid and we just tend to look up. So the more I thought about that idea, we do just keep looking up at what our what our you know most crazy expectations could be and we hate ourselves for not meeting the expectations in our fantasies yeah not you know we can't see that we're actually doing pretty amazing um because we just hold ourselves to a standard that doesn't exist anywhere in the universe uh, and I we refuse to I, even look around they never ask yeah they I never say as opposed to what we should do yeah. like it's this way, as opposed to what way? Yeah, they always yeah. are comparing it to utopia. Compared mm -hmm. to what? Yeah. Right. I, I also Compared think there's a, on the one hand, we hold ourselves to a high standard, but on the other hand, there are a lot of individuals who don't hold themselves to any personal standard. I, I've been having this conversation a lot with my fiance because he's someone who's very concerned about recycling to the point where uh, I feel I've modified some of my behaviors because, uh, especially if, even when he's not with me now, I'll be like, no, no, I don't need a plastic bag because he's in my head now. <laughs> but, carry but, in my hands. I know I'll be, I'll be like carrying all the groceries in my hands if I forget, but he, you know, he doesn't use plastic bags. He doesn't use plastic straws. He has one of those metal straws that, with a little brush that you clean it out you know he, you know that he, killed someone right you know that there was a woman who what? was walking while yeah yeah totally she was walking she was like drinking her starbucks with a metal sorry, straw she tripped and fell and was impaled on her straw no died. i'm sorry oh, i laughed that's awful i just it's so metal absurd the idea that that you could kill someone metal but um you, do you, you see what a woman is saying? one example <laughs> 
found uh, one example. It is well, a literal only example. But my, my point is this. I think they need to but be it, regulated. I just want to throw that out here right now. Clearly. Regulate the there's just, but here's my point. Walk and use a metal straw at the same time. That's <laughs> right, got to yeah, be the yep. at the same time. You know, and there's definitely it no needs a warning label. Carry on that shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Straw with a warning label. Well, he you got get a life for his straw. He has a little pouch. Here's the thing, though. He he <laughs> will talk to people leftists all the time, who on the one hand will say. All, all these lofty things about climate change and they want government regulation and they want the government to tell us what we can, can't do. But in front of him, they'll, they, they give no mind to multiple plastic bags, multiple plastic straws, all these things that he notices because he, 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 he tries to live a principled life and this is very important to him. So he is very conscious about recycling. And so he's made me start noticing it more. And I'm like, yeah, why aren't you doing something in your personal life? If you're going to say that the government needs to, regulate thing you know for climate change but in your personal life you don't yeah that just goes that. right back to what we were talking about with the, yeah you know the, the people who you know tout this climate change shit they're still buying properties on the beachfront you know they're, they're not trying yeah. to move away and lend you know the right. oh we're all gonna drown in 10 years and, and like dude move to ohio or something get out get away from the coast no they're actually you know probably just using this as an excuse to go ahead and keep controlling people like everything else is yeah well, the Great Reset stuff, if you if you read about what the Great Reset was originally trying to do, they were trying to use climate change as the impetus to convince people to um, to massively overhaul change. the system and implement what they're calling stakeholder capitalism, which is not capitalism. Mm -hmm. Am I the, uh, sorry to interrupt? Am I the only one that's waiting for James O'Keefe to come out with like a video showing somebody actually saying this? You know, <laughs> you don't need to. They wrote a book. No, 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 no. Like in, in like, <laughs> like, yes, like, yes the plan is still the plan is still yeah. in effect. We're still doing that, by the way. What was wild? Oh well, they've changed. That, so... They so yeah, they've changed. They're very explicit about it. They now they yeah, want to use COVID because climate change didn't work. We didn't. We weren't convinced enough. We weren't freaked out enough about the catastrophe that is climate change. Isn't but that COVID, we seem to be really freaked out about. So they're going to try and leverage COVID. And you don't have to have James O'Keefe. It's the weirdest thing. It's like a conspiracy theory that isn't a conspiracy. You just Dude. go to the website and read everything they have to say. They they're very <laughs> open about it. You know As what's I'm wild about that? So, yeah. no, go ahead. I'll say oh, as I'm, sorry, as, I'm, as I'm sitting here watching those James O'Keefe releases about CNN over the last few days, and I'm sitting there watching, I'm like, oh, well, where you knew that? You know, it wasn't it wasn't a big revelation for me. It's like we, we've known this for years. But, you know, I wonder how many people are actually seeing that and going, oh, my God, my whole world has crumbled now. No, I don't know. I don't know what the, the I haven't seen CNN's response to that. I haven't seen anybody on the left going, oh, my God, I'm never watching CNN again. This is this is wow. I had no idea. I'm not seeing Well, they that. did track down Brian. Stetler today, right? Did and they? they dropped a yeah, they dropped a video. Um, that's what I was working on was that story. That's why I was late to the podcast as we were getting that little story out about that. But yeah, Project Veritas journalist uh, went to I don't know if it was Brian Stetler's apartment building or what to New York High Rise, and, they, mm. and he was like, "What do you think of this? What do you think of this, Brian?" And Brian Stetler was like, "I feel really bad for you." And the guy was like, "Uh, why?" Do Didn't Brian Settler say, I feel really bad for you? Didn't yeah, do the mark. No, I'm joking. <laughs> oh, no, that's the mark what, dice. He what he said was, I feel really bad for you. Is I that feel really bad for you. That's oh, no, Mark. Said. There's a comedian named Mark Dice. Uh, I think he's a comedian. He's a commentator. Yeah. yeah. I, I, Libby, he, you have to go check out his Brian Settler videos because all he does is take Brian Settler and then redub it. And he, uh -huh. he has him say exactly what he already said. He doesn't change what he's saying. 
he just does it all in a high pitched voice. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> Well, the thing with the Great Reset, though, is so after the Time Magazine story broke and after the World Economic Forum was so explicit on their website, uh, we started writing some stories about this Great Reset thing. Uh, Joe Joe Biden seemed in favor of it. Justin Trudeau and Canada was all in favor of this Great Reset. They were all talking about it. We would publish stories about this is what the Great Reset said. This is what, you know, Schwab at World Economic Forum said. And we were getting fact checked. And we were like, wow, that's, this is what it says. This is a news yeah. story about some news in Time Magazine. Like you didn't fact check Time Magazine for saying that the Great Reset is real when they ran their whole beautiful story on it. Mm. We were saying it's real and it sucks. And like we were getting slammed for that. It was really fascinating to watch. To watch False. It does not suck. Yeah, not that's not been objectively. Right, yeah. the, the science False. shows it does not suck. <laughs> it does not suck. <laughs> that's a hell of a, yeah. Yes, By the Lizzie. way, speaking of fact checking, you're reminding me of something. I just saw this the other day. I don't know if anyone's <laughs> Politifact checked <laughs> this. You've, this quote goes around: fifty-six million defenseless people rounded up and exterminated in the twentieth century because of gun control. So people make this argument that like all these authoritarian regimes start out by banning guns. Politifact facts checked it and said it was false because. It's just a theory that they needed to ban the guns before being authoritarians. We can't prove that the banning guns was like necessary or like helps lead to authoritarianism in any way. So don't share that meme. It is false. It's false oh, that uh, apparently it, disarming people is important for authoritarians. It's yeah. just it's just the general sliminess of, of it all. Yeah, and the thing too is it kind of doesn't matter why you want to ban guns. I mean, and I'm not like, I don't have guns, you know, I'm one of those people who would accidentally shoot herself in the face. Uh, but like, it's a very specific way to go. No. Just get a long but, gun but, and then it will be very difficult to do. I'm <laughs> good. I'm good. <laughs> you know, I'm good on it. But the point is, it doesn't matter why you think we should ban guns. Like, it just doesn't matter. You don't get to. We have the yeah. right, right to arm ourselves. And I don't care why you think we shouldn't have that right. Like, you're, that's too bad. That's just too bad. It That's doesn't just matter if you think that we shouldn't be able to use phrases that you think are hate speech. Like, that's just too bad. Who cares what you think? It's not up to you to decide what our rights are. In yeah. Canada, they have hate speech laws. And every time we have to, like, we'll write about um, trans ideology or whatever, you know, like, uh, they make fun of me for being turfy at the office, whatever. So, Every time we write a story about like uh, biological males who want to transfer into women's prisons, for example, which is something I've been covering, you have to be very careful in your language because your language on that is actually regulated by the federal government. What a, what kind of thing I, is I, that? Man. It's amazing. That's insanity. So That's craziness. Well, I, so I have all these workarounds and they'll be like, you're using way too many words for this. And I'm like, fuck you, we're using them. We're using all those words. I just wanted to um, thank you, Marie, for being here today since Libby is contributing to the swear jar. And I'm kidding. Oh, That's goodness. fine. No, you're fine. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's not a problem. We just joke. <laughs> we joke that Marie has to put some uh, New Zealand oh. coins in the can, which she's already done. I wanted to read her super chat in a second, Marie Besky. Usually I'm but responsible for the swear usually jar. Usually it's Carter. Oh, I'm yeah. And Yeah. yeah. But, but there was something I did want to talk about today. And and Daniel, you actually touched on it, and I, I wanted to wait till you were here, Libby, to talk about it. And it's the CNN Project Veritas thing, because you did an article 
on Postmillennial about Twitter banning James O'Keefe and Project Veritas. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so they 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 banned James O'Keefe and Project Veritas from Twitter. Wait, both accounts? Yeah. Um, I think they I think they banned Project Veritas a while ago. I think, and uh, it was maybe it was temporary. I don't remember, but O'Keefe got banned yesterday, and he's going to sue. They said that he violated rules as to I think something about having too many accounts. I actually forget they use the spamming excuse which they use with Cameron Pasha right so but meanwhile it came after a week of Project Veritas going hard at CNN successfully exposing this guy who was saying that they intentionally uh built up COVID fears to keep people tuning in and make everybody afraid to say that they intentionally uh favored Biden during the election over Donald Trump and the thing is if you're a news outlet and you have a bias, just say what your bias is. There's no reason that you can't have a bias. But CNN and other outlets that tout themselves as objective are problematic, if I can use that word. Um, take it back. Are no, take, take the word back. That, also counts in the square. <laughs> it definitely should go in the, that's the word that I would contribute for the square jar. But anyway, um, these outlets that say that they're objective and then very clearly display their bias, that's, I think, a problem. I mean, look what happened to the New York Times. The New York Times used to be the standard of journalism in the world. The Herald Tribune, even internationally, was mm. such a huge influence. Uh, you could turn to the New York Times and you could say, oh, this is what the news is. Now, despite what no, Chomsky always said about how, like, that's wrong. Turns out Chomsky was right about a lot of things, you know. Um, but yeah, so that's what happened after a week of slamming CNN, really shoving off their objective um, claims. Yeah, if CNN, if CNN don't shut down after this, man, I don't know. I, I, I'm going to have to They're lose ha- open down. humanity after that. They're not going to shut down at all. Yeah, I, I don't think they will. Well, well at least well, he- be relegated to like something like uh, something on par with the National Enquirer that we used to see in the grocery <laughs> store. No, because no one, no one cares because the 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 NPCs in the world will see that if they even see the James they, O'Keefe they video, which they probably won't, because James O'Keefe is routinely um, smeared smeared by like and oh he's just a you know he deceptively edits and they make up all this crap about him that's not true. Uh, so even, but even if they did see it, their answer would be, well, objectively, Trump was a problem and COVID was a problem. They're just trying to, you know, do their job getting the stupid people to understand well, the truth. So I they mean, are unbiased. Like that's, York, that was, you know, the New York Times already put out an entire article explaining, detailing how they, you know, helped the democracy or whatever. The, their entire plan, they laid it out for you, and nobody batted an crazy. eye. Right. That was crazy. That was that was insane. When you I read that, that, I wasn't, story, I wasn't shocked. Was at like, the... oh my, you're saying it. You're saying <laughs> it out loud. Yeah. That's, and that's you're what proud I was... of it. Yeah. It's like, like the great reset. Like, they no say God, it out loud. Really to... And how many yeah. people read that and went, yeah, the, okay. I get, I get why they did that. I agree with that's, that's, I would have done it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Great idea, guys. Mm-hmm. It's like, whoa, that's, that's chilling. That's chilling right there. Amazing. Yeah. It's like, well, it's like the great reset. They say it out loud. They're not yeah. afraid. Mm-hmm. And, and CNN can say out loud on hidden camera, we manipulate our viewers. We try and scare them. That's what gives us views. They can say out loud on hidden camera, Russiagate was a big nothing burger, which Van Jones said on another Project Veritas video. Here's the thing, like you, you said, though, th- this is what blows my mind. 
Oh. I, I was on Twitter yesterday talking about this with Jangles. He's a social justice warrior who we've had on the show before. I like Jangles. Despite, I think his ideology is evil. I think he is a very good person. Um, actually, Libby, we're going to see him this weekend at the Better Discourse Conference. Oh, but, right. we'll yeah. Wisconsin. I'm, I'm seeing but, comments said it was Time Magazine, not New York Times. So, oh, it was Time Magazine. I get was him it. Confused. Yeah. And I think there was there was also a thing in the Washington Post. Um, this was interesting too. So prior to that expose, yeah, it was Time Magazine. Prior to that expose, the Washington Post had had written a story. Um, saying that people had been getting together on Zoom calls to talk about the worst possible, the worst case scenarios uh, for the election season and what that would look like. And then a bunch of conservative outlets ran a story, ran stories. And this was like earlier in the fall, ran stories that were like, oh my goodness, all these people are getting together to figure out how, all these leftists are getting together to figure out how to, um, you know, take control of things in the event that Trump wins. And, or doesn't leave the White House or whatever the various scenarios I remember were. that, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. and all the big tech companies were like, and fact checkers, no, that's not true, no, that's not true. Weren't these just the same people that then time ex like reveled in? Wasn't it the same? Yeah. Weren't they the same group? Yeah, yeah but so they don't- So we all they don't... like, oh, they're trying to control the election. And they're like, no, they weren't. And then later they're like, hey, we were trying to control the election. You guys yeah, they just amazing. admitted it. Yeah, yeah well, they don't care. I, I want to come back so to this. It's crazy to track this stuff. Yeah, they don't. This this conversation I had with Jangles yesterday, though, this is the epitome of why some of this stuff, I guess, doesn't matter. Is what he said was that uh, it's Project Veritas. Why would you trust them? And mm -hmm. and and that's part of that smearing that you're talking about, Carter. And what I don't understand is I don't care what reasons you have for not trusting Project Veritas. Do you not trust your own eyes and ears when you look at footage of of the CNN producers saying we put hired we put the COVID tracker on there to scare people? Doesn't that that oh, doesn't let's well, yeah. they mean, trust their own eyes and ears when it's Chauvin with his knee on the back of George Floyd, you know, on the, on his neck. They, they trust their yeah. eyes and ears when they see that video because it's coming from the right sources and it's it's uh, telling the right narrative. Yeah, it's coming from yeah. CNN. So we know that that's real. But they can read like that timepiece you're talking about, or they can read all this stuff about, you know, we're going to try and uh, what's the word they use? They didn't they didn't say we stole the fortified. election. We fortified oh it. They can fortified read that everything. and they still don't trust their own eyes and ears. It's it's almost like it doesn't matter. You can put stuff out in the open. You can put the Great Reset stuff out in the open. And I don't know. I mean, at some point, you also... That. You also have the, the problem of diminishing or not diminishing returns, but what's it, what's it called when you, when you're so invested in something, a uh, sunk cost fallacy, you know, when you're so invested in a, in a particular narrative and you've been in it for so long, you know, the amount of work it takes for you to go back and try to reevaluate literally everything you've learned up to this point, it's, it's daunting. And some, and a lot of people already don't have enough time to sit there and study the news. And, and I'm just trying to, you know, in, in the defense of people who kind of follow this stuff is, you know, it is a lot of work to go back and try to relearn everything now that you learned what you, what you already know is a lie. The easier That's path. fascinating though what you're saying. You know yeah. The, the easier path is just, uh, let's just keep going down this path. Cause I honestly can't afford at this point to go back and try again. You know, I've already got too what much invested in this. Yeah. My social circles invested in this. My family know me because of this, you know, I, I'm going to have to, you know, you gotta, you gotta face some tough decisions to be able to make a, 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 a 180 degree turn like that. You could get problem, divorced as a result. Well, sure. Exactly. The, the, yeah. The problem is, um, yeah, that's interesting. I was, I was told by um, Bethel 
totally different long story. Anyway, uh, the um, what you were saying about people having to make a 180 degree turn uh, and dis and like rethink everything that they um, rethink everything that they believed that they knew. What that means is that you're not thinking about why you believe what you believe all the time, mm -hmm. which is of course what you should be doing. When I used to have a theater company, our mission was to create art for non-fascist living, which meant to examine at every turn our most fundamental beliefs so that we could rule our ideas and not be ruled by them. Well, we all know there's a big, sorry, there's, we all know there's a big difference between what people should do versus what people do. Right. But how, like, I mean, I'm constantly Hashtag questioning, <laughs> you know, what I think I know. So, you know, I, I write an edit for a conservative news platform. We make no bones about the fact that we're, um, you know, center right. Uh, and at the end of the day, I think about, you know, I don't intentionally even think about it, but like my, my mind moves to what did we cover today? You know, let's examine all of these things. What do I think about these things that we covered? Um, and I try and like understand what we're doing, you know, constantly trying to understand what we're doing, what we want to be doing, where we're going, all of that. But it's so important to constantly think about what you think, no, try and understand why you think you know it and examine those foundations so that you're not stuck in a situation where everything you thought you knew was a lie because you're always examining, you're always understanding, you're always reflecting. When I was in um, high school, I had this um, teacher who was actually more of a professor, this guy, Peter Renka, and he was very insistent that we, are, you know, that we live an examined life, that we're constantly thinking about what we're doing and why, that we're thinking about our impact, that we're thinking about the kind of person we want to be, that we're weighing our decisions against, you know, a moral framework, um, and trying to understand, you know, what it is we're doing and why. Man, uh, if, we, if we all if we all did things the way you're describing, man, the, the, we would be so much healthier from a mental standpoint if we just did what we were supposed to do, what we what we should do. Uh, of, 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 so we would probably be a lot skinnier society as well if we all did what we're supposed to do. Obviously, we'd probably be a lot more wealthy as well. So I mean, sure, but yeah, like I mean, I get, I get what a, you're saying, and, and a small what we're percentage. talking about this is what I'm talking about in terms of like the complete decimation of the educational system. Right, if we right. don't have if we don't have a decent educational system, no one will ever do this. And it's so painful, as you said, to turn away from what you, you know, from your entire belief structure. Um, I, mean, I don't that, know that, that it's is... an educational system problem though, because it's every time you don't examine, every time you make that choice, where like kind of fundamentally your free will kind of fundamentally boils down to a choice about whether to think of something that's presented in your mind or evade it. And there are there are times when evading is the right answer. Like I'm busy flying a plane and I just thought of, you know, some cool new song I want to write. Evade is good. Like postpone, evade. I'm in the middle of flying my plane. Think about right? that now. Well, you, you nailed right. that. You nailed that example. That was well done. Was however, <laughs> well, however, though, the, the more you you more the more you get confronted with something and evade for the wrong reason, like you I, I wouldn't even call the airplane plane example evasion. It's like postponement. Now's not the time, it's a priority. But some the, a lot of times you'll you'll evade. You don't want to think about it because it's psychologically uncomfortable. Whatever it is that's come up, just it feels hard or uncomfortable in some way. And so you evade it. And every time you do that, you build up psychological debt. And if you've been doing that for 
30 years or 20 years, mm -hmm. you have amassed a massive amount of psychological debt and any kind of uh, perturbation to your belief system that Ooh. threatens some some long held belief or some part of this kind of jumbled system that you've got threatens that you like suddenly you have to pay back all of your psycho psychological debt and it's overwhelming because it might mean getting divorced losing your friends losing your job completely changing everything but like it's a huge huge thing you've you've backed yourself into this corner because you didn't bother to live consciously the whole time and i don't know that that's something that gets taught in school i mean Nathaniel Brandon's got a book called Art of Living Consciously. It's something that I think parents should be teaching their kids uh, to, to know why you believe what you believe and to be um, questioning things constantly and so, to be well, very aware of how to integrate contradictory knowledge or ex like accept it and decide whether to integrate or, or to dismiss it or figure out you know how it fits into your worldview. But we don't do any of that and instead we send our kids to indoctrination camps where they are taught to evade as a matter of course mm. and by the time they're 25 they're really angry at everything they've evaded every major at every major uh intersection intellectually in their life they've chosen evade and obey mm -hmm. the authority answer that was given to me and no wonder they're very, it's very difficult for them to move you can't that's why you can't argue with social justice warriors about facts. Carrie didn't, she didn't leave social justice because someone said, Carrie, here's all the facts about SJW ideology and why it's a bad idea. She left because she was willing to face like psychological debt that she had acquired. And she was willing to face for other reasons. But once she faced it, it was like, okay, well, now that she's faced it, she can kind of open her eyes and see all the other implications of it. I don't yes. want to put words in your mouth. But that's I know, I know you said, you've said. I know you said that, that education is not the thing causing all this, but I mean, it's it's probably one of many things that is causing it. And another example of something that's causing it is the fact that we keep rewarding low IQ behavior. I mean, what you're talking yes. about being, you know, if somebody's already 200 pounds overweight, the you know, the likelihood that they're going to put down the Twinkie and start work, walking the other direction is pretty slim to none, pun intended. But, you know, you have the education system of one thing you have. The low IQ thing, you have the welfare state constantly, you know, rewarding low IQ behavior. And as a result, you're going to get more low IQ people breeding into the population. As a result, over time, you will continuously see less and less of that high IQ uh, um, ability to be able to face those things, to be able to turn around and have this the strength and the willpower and the fortitude to be able to, you know, face that debt that you spoke of, you know? You have people that are three generations into a family now where yep. like for three generations back, no one knows how to hold the job down. Well, no, yeah, they, nobody's actually no seen. knowledge in the family about how to do that. Yeah, no, nobody's actually mean? seen somebody working. What do you mean no knowledge of how to hold a job down? Well, there's no there's no family knowledge like welfare and and kind of being supported having kids welfare being supported having kids like you have you have kids being raised in environments where what seems like to you and i an obvious thing about how to show up on time for example and hold or hold the job or do kind of basic self-responsibility personal responsibility things just doesn't exist i mean e even at a, a softer level you can step back you've got a massive amount of people who have no idea how to manage their personal economics well, like they can't balance a checkbook if they had to which i don't you don't have to anymore because of the internet but like people that have no idea how to manage their personal finances and that comes from being in an environment where you weren't taught that and 
a, a great way to not be taught that is to be raised by people who never had to manage their personal finances. Well, let me let me sum it up a little bit for you there. It's basically you're seeing multi-generational single, single motherhood where the man has been, you know, basically it women are rewarded yes. for keeping the man out of the house for not, you know, they, they're trained to live, live off the government. You know, they live off the, the, the welfare paycheck, the system and whatnot. And you have kids that are literally like, like he was saying that are third generation in have literally never seen anybody in their immediate family or uh, have a job. You know, they, they've, they've just kind of gotten used to, you know, how you go get your, your, uh, your uh, welfare benefits, you know, what office you go to, what number you call, what do you tell them? How do you say it? You know, they're very good at learning those things. But they're not so good at learning, okay, the hard work aspect, the work ethic, the, you know, going to a job on time, time, you know, and that you're not, you just don't see it. So you don't have it modeled for you. Does that, does that make more sense to what he was talking about? Yeah, no, I just, uh, that's just not something I've seen at all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think what you're, you're kind of referring to this uh, dirty word that no one wants to talk about, which is just dysgenics. And I think, no one likes the concept of eugenics. We all agree it's a bad thing, and we it harkens back to evil fascism and like trying to, you know, create ubermensch and whatever. Like no, we all agree this is a bad. That's kind of a bad thing. But we are in a society where we kind of have dysgenic pressure going on in society, um, and you, do that's you something mean that, that we're not. Do you mean with. that the incentives are set up? The incentives are that... reversed. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you have people who are uh, successful and contribute, punished, and people who don't, rewarded. And right. I, I know that sounds harsh, I don't, I don't but think over time that has an effect on a population. Are punished. How are people who what? are successful? Say that again? How are people who are successful punished? I mean, you can certainly. Control I mean, they're your taxed out the wazoo. Yeah, you're yeah, they're taxed, massively but... taxed. That's a punishment. That's that's a punishment. It's a disincentive. Is what it is. Yeah, yeah. Maybe disincentive is a better word than punishment. A disincentive. Wait, having somebody. Uh, steal I, I can tell you as an entrepreneur, <laughs> it's a disincentive. <laughs> having somebody steal more of my money for doing a good job I mean, versus less I of my money. City, I, don't, I, don't, you know, I don't know. I live in New York City. We have crazy taxes. I, you have no the worst taxes. Of course, it, and sure. it speaks to but the at human. But no point am I disincentivized from doing the best work that I can. Well, there's also like a I'm lot of in the best work that I yeah. Can. There's also a lot of incentives for being successful. There's sure. all, I mean, there's a lot of incentives for being successful. Yeah, not to mention sure. Like in in reality, like sans government, good work, knowing right. that you can you know make a life of your own choosing, that you're not dependent on the you know government handouts to to do something for you. That's a huge. I mean, a huge deal for me. Like one thing I have always been I grateful get it. for is the ability to to work to earn a well, living to well if it's if it's own. not if 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 it's if higher taxes is not a disincentive then why do companies go to lower taxation areas to run their operations disincentive for for massive corporations sure but i don't know no, that no, it's individuals for individual businesses yeah individuals it's actually easier for an individual to move you know i'm hearing about a bunch of people going to other locations because taxes have gotten ridiculous i can't afford to stay here anymore that's why people are leaving California and going to Texas because it's cheaper. Like they are it's coming a massive here. disincentive. Texas is open and California is under lockdown. It well, has that's nothing not, to do. I mean, people another, were fleeing California well before COVID. Yeah, that's been right. going on. I mean, for years. well, it's, it's, it's happening. Yeah, it's happening for both reasons. I just wanted to, you guys. I just wanted to run this past you. I thought your analogy, Carter, about the plane writing the song was good. I just improved upon it by saying. 
if Leonardo DiCaprio was flying his plane, private plane when leaving a climate change summit and is about to land it at BLM founder and avowed Marxist Patricia Culler's airplane hangar at one of her four mansions, and then he thinks of a song. You should think of a song. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh I don't know. Yeah. Oh. You're not able to talk about Patricia. I, I don't. I don't know that that made the analogy any better. Ah, oh, damn it! Damn it! I just definitely, to... definitely a lot more descriptive. Facebook, uh, Facebook went back to to um, suppressing the New York Post over their coverage of um, Patricia. Of what? That's why I wanted oh, to work back in her? there. Yeah. Oh. They took down the post. Yeah, yeah. They. they the New York Post. What they did? Yeah. Alexander Hamilton's newspaper. Um, yeah, so the, uh, Wait, Facebook. I, what? Oh, sorry. Can I ask you? Just I, I'm completely throwing you off where you were heading. Um, do you do you consider taxation to be theft? Then is that something uh, that I says think that, um, taxation in order to ensure decent infrastructure and uh, social safety nets are is important. As as compared to what? In, as a, as opposed to not having those things. I agree oh, with okay. Libby. You know yeah. that that's okay. Now that's a false dichotomy. So that, that's that's where your problem is. You, you completely forgot about you know private owned. Um, you forgot about charity. You forgot about churches. You forgot about. I'm not in favor of things like. Right, right. The other way is water being private privatized. I, I don't think that's. Oh, a good I definitely idea. am. I definitely. I am. don't think that interstate highways should be privatized. Yeah, I definitely I, think they should be. I tend to agree with Libby, <laughs> and I know Carter agrees with Daniel. I, yeah. Agree. Yeah. No. 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 Check this out. This, this was a great picture that somebody told me. Imagine private roads where you know it's perfectly manicured. The, the the lighting's perfect. It's 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 safe. You can walk on them as freely as you want. Drive wherever you want, and and it's completely paid for by the businesses that own the surrounding area. Like, doesn't that sound amazing? Uh, doesn't that sound amazing? Yeah. I mean, well, I I lived on a private road for quite a long time, um, and that private road did not have cable television because the residents of the private road could not agree on digging up that private road in order to install cable. Uh, that <laughs> private road was never repaved in the years that I spent there. Um, it is still not repaved. It is a disaster. People okay, park so at the end of that private road and walk on down because of the amount of destruction that it will do to their cars. So what I, what I was actually describing was, you know, the hallway in a mall. Like no, basically sure. we, have a hallway we already, in a mall. We already have sure. that. That, that's, that's, that's not an interstate. Example. Sure. No, that's we a small, also have I, the street that I grew up on, which is a private road. Right, yeah. in which you were very much incentivized to move somewhere else if that shit's not handled. <laughs> well, okay, I mean, if no one on the street wants like, to pay for the road, are, are you would I mean, be in favor still, of someone forcing them to the pay for the road. It's still the example that you're talking about, right? It's still the example that you're talking about. I would love yeah. if the city that I grew up in would just repave the, the fuck out of that street so that I could Ooh, drive down if I wanted to. Sure. But the but people who live there don't want that. The people who live there want the road repaved and they can't agree on how to pay for it, who should do it, or if they should put cable in while they're doing it. So, so she you should say, tax someone else who right, doesn't live there but, and force them to pay for your road because you guys can't agree? I'm showing you Ugh. that your example is not effective in all cases. You don't have to agree with me about it. Oh, that's no, okay. no. That's just that's the beauty of it. That's excellent. In order to be moral, you don't case. have to be completely effective in all cases. Like, no, at all. You know, but in, in, in order to end slavery, to we didn't have to prove. To the city of New York City so that we can have a functioning public you, you've been on, You've been on news stations before, haven't you? Sure. <laughs> so you. I see, <laughs> I see that thing you're doing where you keep talking. <laughs> 
well, I can that's do that forever. effective. <laughs> yeah, because you have to keep talking sometimes. And, right, right. Okay, so yeah, I, I can always. I am so. <laughs> I don't. I just personally don't want to go down this route. I'm going to let right Daniel now. fight the battle. I'm not. Gonna uh, do we I don't have to? to? Fight a battle. No, no. I'm saying I'm not. I'm not either. Getting. We don't have to get into it. Yeah, yeah. These are just. Fun, fun wanna... interactions to have. I, I love. I no, love I like. I like disagreeing than... about it. I do. Yeah. I do. I just want to before we close soon. I do want to touch on Facebook banning the New York Post and Patricia. Oh. Any article about Patricia Cullors and her mansions? I actually didn't read our stories about that today, uh, so I don't <laughs> have all the information. <laughs> <laughs> I know I assigned that story. Uh, I well, I did see an interview with I'm Patricia. I saw that too. Did you, yeah, I yeah. watch, it. I watch it. it. It was it was interesting because she um, first of all she said, "Well, the the right is is accusing me of making um they're implying that I, I the money that I make from the from the BLM as an organization is what's going into these houses and I don't take a salary from BLM. Uh, all the money I'm making is from and then she proceeded to list a bunch of grift jobs surrounding the fact that Speaking she's the head of BLM. Right? Speaking yeah. engagements, book deals, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, okay, so I get that. And then she used arguments that if she were a uh, <laughs> an old white guy would be massively vilified, but to defend herself in her the hypocrisy of being a Marxist, she said, well, I'm using all this for my family. I'm just, all this, I'm doing these houses, I'm, you know, I buy these houses to support people I love and my family, and they're black. So, like, this is me, <laughs> like, I, I, everything I do is for fellow black people that I love because they're my family. And I, I just, it was so, it was so odd. I, mean, the thing I, is, there doesn't, I don't have any problem with someone buying a mansion and wherever it was, Topanga Canyon. Like, go ahead, buy your mansion, but don't claim that you're a Marxist when you're buying your mansion. Right. That's the thing. Right. And BLM also, they the amount of money they raked in last year between like 2020 and the year before, I think 2019 was a little more than $3 million. Last year, they brought in $90 million. And they have not, there's not really been a full accounting of, of where that money has gone, which right. any not-for-profit is required to do. I mean, you know, we are in tax season, so perhaps that will be forthcoming no. it, it actually reminds yeah. me of her her interview my fiance was telling me about that interview and he said he made a great comparison it reminds him of the televangelists of the 80s and 90s who would get caught sure. you know with these mansions and private planes and they would make the same excuses and it's sort of and there's also that uh that it's like a faith system in a way like the television like tammy Faye's tears remember that yes it's like she reminds she's Tammy Faye, a modern day Tammy Faye. Yes. <laughs> well, yes, she also said it was racist and sexist to go group. after her. Right. Well, yeah. sure. Because everything is racist. Yes. It's not racist and sexist. It's just racist. What's what was your word? I forget your word. Pho what was it? Pho oh, that, that's something? just phobismist. Somebody somebody who, yes. who uh, studies it <laughs> and educates on things of offense. You know, I don't want to have the anarchy argument, but I do think that this we can have it. Today, we can have it. Let's do it. No, no, I, I don't. I don't even want to because it's a long drawn out argument. It, and, it and can it's be. Fine. Yeah, that's that's a whole nother uh, episode, isn't it? Yeah, but I I do think something that we've been talking about is uh oh look at that hey, <laughs> um something we've been talking about is a reason why I've started to 
consider like I was not an anarchist for a while. I was a, like a more staunchly minarchist, libertarian, libertarian kind of person. Um, but one of the realizations that I had, and I think this discussion really reminds me of it, is I had this realization that it kind of doesn't matter what the rules are. Politics is irrelevant. The laws are irrelevant. I'm not completely irrelevant, but they're subject to culture. The people in the society, what they want to do always supersedes what they've written on paper that they're allowed to do. And the Supreme Court, I mean, we can go all the way back to the Supreme Court thing. The Supreme Court is a piece of crap already. It's been a piece of crap forever. It, they make horrible decisions. They misinterpret things. They already stick their fingers in the air and measure public sentiment and try and make rulings they, that that are going to, you know, stay with the times they 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 view the constitution as a living breathing document not as something specific and clear that had meaning and the reason that they do that and the reason that lawmakers get away with all this crap is they're more afraid of the ostracism that uh daniel's talking about than they are about the legal consequences because if everyone ostracizes them for saying i'm sorry the Second Amendment means you have a right to keep and bear arms, and that can't be infringed. So all the 1934 Firearms Act is is unconstitutional, and, and and so is the Gun Control Act of 1938. They're more afraid of the ostracism that results from sticking by the principles that are written than they are about, uh, you know, violating the rules that are written down just to be accepted. And the fact is, as long as they're accepted by everyone they'll never be held accountable for not following the constitution. And that's true in every level of society. So that realization for me was very important because I, it almost doesn't matter what system of government we have. I would love to have the anarchy argument after we have a society full of people who want to protect individual rights. And some people are going to argue that we need a government to protect individual rights. And some people are gonna argue that we don't need a government. But if until we're in a society in which most of us agree that we should be, that we agree on what rights are and that they should be protected, do, the do rest you, is moot. Do it doesn't matter. Because we, have more, or we have more originalists on the court now than we've had before. And we still we don't have, more have a, more originalists on the court than we've had before. We have constitutional well, originalists. They on the may court. call themselves originalists, but I mean, I don't. Okay. I, I've seen you some just, of their rulings. They're not originalists. A, you, you just delivered yourself quite a monologue. So let me just have a few sentences. Uh, <laughs> one of which is we have more constitutional originalists on the course than we've had before. Uh, and I think that that's a good thing. I've been happy with some of their recent rulings. Um, I think that their ruling in favor of religious liberty was huge. I was very happy to see. Uh, my governor, Andrew Cuomo, smacked down about as far as they could could do, um, despite Robert saying that the whole thing was moot because it wasn't happening anymore. I think, you know, I think they decided well in that case, first of all. Um, I also think that we do not have a better system of government that we have even remotely imagined. Um, and I think until such time as we do, we should stick with the one that has been the most effective globally of uh, defending individual liberty. And we need to hold our elected leaders and representatives to account to defend our individual liberty, to defend our rights. And at such time as they are not doing that, 
we need to, you know, vote them out. Um, or in the case of, you know, what could potentially happen with um, the way that the government is behaving now and we won't have enough people to vote them out, um, you know, then we'll have to make additional arrangements. But I don't think we have a better system of government. Um, I do think taxation. Well, I, I agree with you, by the way, which is why I think in order the, to keep things moving. Yeah, I'm I'm not disagreeing, I, which is why I think the culture war is more important than the political argument about anarchy. I totally agree. I, Absolutely. I don't want anarchy this moment because anarchy this moment means the crazy people that control culture get everything they want because it becomes mob rule. And like, so I, I agree, which is why I'm not actually focused much on politics. I'm more focused on changing culture, social issues. I so. agree because once, once, once an issue is in the court, we've lost. We've lost on religious liberty, whether the Supreme Court voted in favor of it or not. Right. So, yeah. 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 You can see Did it you with see these, this bill? Uh, which one? Sorry, go ahead. In California, SB six six three. Which one is that? Oh, six six three. Yes, yes, the petition bill. Yes. Yes. That. Isn't that crazy? It is crazy. I don't think that the state should be able to reveal the names of petitioners who are in opposition to it, just so that they can go over to them and explain to them that perhaps they didn't understand it and give them an opportunity to pull their names from the petition. I did see, however, that there's no urgency attached to the bill, which is what would be required for it to have an impact on this current uh, recall petition for um, Newsom. Right. I think the next time the Judiciary Committee meets might be on the 20th. I don't know. I don't know. And so, it, but, it, I mean, maybe it would come up at that time, but there's no, yeah, it is pretty interesting, but there's no urgency on the bill. The guy who sponsored the bill, though, because I was actually talking to my friend, Sashi McEntee, who is... Um, mayor of Mill Valley, California, because I saw this come up and I was like, oh, I'll write about this. I don't know anything about California. I'm going to call Sashi. So she walked me through how California, the California political system works at the state level. Um, I don't remember what I was going to say now, but it's pretty fascinating. Oh, the guy sponsored it. In 2016, he campaigned for his seat um, in the California State Senate wearing a giant furry bear costume. <laughs> wow, that's awesome! That's Why not? <laughs> do you want to tell people, Libby, really quickly, just what the bill is, or do you want me to just so that I don't know that everyone understands? What oh, so there's this bill that um, basically what it says is that the names of people who petition the government for a, on a on a recall petition is that what it is specifically recalled? Um, it's other petitions, but primarily recall, Why and those names have. You can go ahead. Sorry, what? I'm going to plug in my, you can go ahead and, and do it. I'm going to plug in my phone, by the way, which is. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Ahead. I mean, it's, 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 it's an initiative referendum or recall petition to remove. Uh, so it, it, those three things, uh, initiative referendum or recall petition. And so right now the rule is they can't, the people, the target of the petition can't mm -hmm. access the list of names for people who want the person removed, which kind of makes sense because they're in a position of power in the government. They don't get to see who their political enemies are, like who the people are that are wanting them recalled in a petition. Um, but this bill would make it so that, I'm gonna, I'll just read. This bill would authorize the target of a re recall petition to inspect the petition 
and related memoranda for purposes of communicating with registered voters to determine whether they signed the recall petition and whether they understood that the recall petition may have signed and to assist registered voters to withdraw their signatures on the recall petition if they so desire. Is previously you could withdraw your name from the petition prior to its being filed, but this new bill would make it so you could withdraw your name from the petition 45 days after it was filed. After, after they've gotten to you and explained to you. And also there's like yeah. this higher bar for there's this like bar for perjury and stuff. So it seems uh, yeah. clearly like a threatening intimidation tactic to get people to, you know, shut up and sit down. It's totally the mafia's bill. Yeah, it's like yes. that, I, yeah. that could never be abused. Never. What are you guys <laughs> talking about? Politicians <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> you know, people in positions of power take that stuff very seriously and they want to they, they work for you, the people. It's amazing. Meanwhile, the Can you Court imagine has upheld over and over the right to anonymous speech? Like mm-hmm. the the NAACP had to fight the state of Alabama which was demanding a list of its members and the NAACP won that they didn't have to turn that over. So I don't even know how this is constitutional. It I, doesn't can imagine, I, I can constitutional imagine them doing this with an election, like calling you, uh, were you aware that you voted for Trump? Uh, I know it's 45 days after the election, but you can still change your vote. You can, <laughs> you can withdraw. Wow. I, could, I could see it being something along the lines of the extended car warranty phone calls you keep getting all the time. Are you, are you sure you voted for that that particular petition? Are you sure you signed that? Are you you want to leave your name? You mm-hmm. know, for the safety of your family, you might want to reconsider voting for that person. Right. I, I mean, just, you know. Well, that that's that, again, that's the James O'Keefe uh, behind the scenes that you would hear people say. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yes. That one's not public unless it's in Time Magazine. <laughs> right. Wow. That's amazing. Just the fear, too, of someone calling you. It's like, how'd you get my number? Right. How do you, how do you know about my vote? <laughs> like, right, yeah. yeah, because that stuff is not supposed to be public until such time. I mean, it's never supposed to be public. At a certain point, they'll have to, you know, check all the names on the petition. And that'll take some work. But those names are not meant to be revealed to the pers- person the petition is against. The target. Yeah. 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 It's pretty crazy. <laughs> or, so, I mean, yeah. I mean, you have a right to face your accusers, right? Right. I mean, but the accusers but it's not a would, court. in this case, I think, be, <laughs> if it were to come to court, wouldn't the accuser be the person, I think it was like a sheriff or something, who organized the petition in the first place? That's oh, I guess. Accuser. But it's not, a, it's not, you're not being accused of a crime. We just don't want you no, in office just- anymore. Right. I don't blame you. Like that's not a it's not a crime. Like I was we just don't want you to be the governor. Yeah, I I was totally kidding, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I just (sighs) it is a mafia. Yeah, but I mean you gotta think all these things through. It's like, did you get that horse? I'm afraid that they have thought it through in California and they're like, Yeah. (laughs) But it is it is it it's like, did you get that horse head in your bed this morning? Also, would you like to reconsider your vote? Yes. Exactly (laughs) that. It's scary. You've been watching Peaky Blinders again. <laughs> oh, that actress died. She was only 52. I saw that today. Wait, which oh, actress? Nothing. One of the Peaky Blinders actresses. Oh, wow. Oh, you're talking about the one that, that played the, the aunt? I never actually saw the show. I just saw that she oh. was 52, and I was like, damn, that's young. Yeah, it's, amazing. it's, it's an amazing show. It is an amazing show. I haven't seen it either. I should. The guy I got the hat. It. I don't watch TV much. I'm telling you once in a blue moon, but that's one of the ones I picked out and I was glad I did. So, 
Well, I'm, I'm so happy you guys joined us here today. This is our new Casual Fridays format with special guest Libby Emmons. Libby, <laughs> tell people where they can find you. And also, wait, before right. you do that, anybody okay. in the Minneapolis, no, the Milwaukee area, duh. Uh, or we are going to, Libby and I, Libby's going to be at the Better Discourse Conference this weekend, mm-hmm. um, which is on Saturday. Oh, is that this weekend? Wait, okay. not tomorrow. Is it tomorrow? No, it's next oh, week. Next weekend. Oh, next Sorry. weekend. Sorry. Yeah, oh, okay. So, yeah, it's on the but 24th wait, Harry, you're Saturday. My, 20th. You're, you're moderating my panel, right? I think I am moderating your panel. So Ooh. I'll be there. Awesome. Libby's going to be there. Um, if you guys want to get tickets, you can still get tickets. Um, it is at betterdiscourseevent.com. It's being put on by MythCon. And again, it's on Saturday, the 24th in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Uh, Mike Harlow is going to be there also. Jack Posobiec, Melissa Chen. Uh, just a whole range of spe- speakers. Jangles, the SJW, <laughs> will be there. Unicorn pool floaty again. Oh, I'm totally bringing my pool floaties. Thank you for reminding me. I have to pack an extra bag. <laughs> Wait, yes. why, why Kenosha specifically? I just don't understand. I, well, I don't they're know. based in Wisconsin. I'm not sure why Kenosha, but uh, seems like such a small name. Silly. He knows why Kenosha. Come on. Yeah. Oh, I don't know why. I don't know why. Um, I know there was that yeah. trial. Yeah. Uh, can, but, can but anyway, that's, they, okay, never mind. that's where the, anyway, this Saturday, better discourse events.com or dot org. And you can, uh, uh, tell people where they can find you Libby. Oh, I'm at the post millennial, the post millennial.com. That's where mm-hmm. I am. I'm on Twitter. And you're one of my favorite. Hand. You're one of my favorite at writers. At Twitter. Oh, Hey, thanks. And that's favorite really people. Nice I'm going to have to start reading your stuff post I can't wait to hang out next weekend. We're going to have fun. It's going to be fun. And Daniel, I think I haven't seen you since Washington. Yeah, it's been a while. It's like Mm -hmm. half a year. And then Daniel Wagner from Unframe of Mind. Do you want to tell folks where they can find you? Yeah, I've got a YouTube channel, podcast, articles and whatnot. Everything's at unframeofmind.com. And I'm on all social media platforms at unframeofmind. Thank you guys. We have have, conversations without a condom over there. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) But you do have a mask, right? Because COVID. No, no. I sit sit less than six feet from my my, uh, other host. Uh uh, Oh, we don't wear masks. Um, Once in a while, I reach over and kind of touch his arm and stuff. You know, we're really, we're very flirty. Very. very You guys have an interesting dynamic, too. What? Yeah, yeah, it's it's so much fun. I I, I couldn't stand having a, a co-host that I agree with on everything. It's 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 kind of like you guys just mm-hmm. you guys agree on some things, but not everything, and it makes for a much more interesting conversation because you get different perspectives for sure. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, we we do try to have like we, we invite anybody to come on the show and, and and discuss their ideas with us. Um, we had a guy that was a self-proclaimed racist on the show. I still don't understand how in the world you come to that perspective, but you know, we're not afraid of talking to people, you know? So it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. It really. We, so you had Ibram X Kendi on the show. <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We do a lot of fun little skits and things too. Um, there's, there's one we just did recently with a, a, a box that fell off the back of a truck. It's on our skits list on a YouTube. Um, you, <laughs> you, ought, you ought to go check out, see what's inside the box. It's a lot of fun. I will. <laughs> Carrie, are we, do you want to, I just realized we have super chats we didn't read. I don't know if it matters, but I wanted to at least say thank you to the super chats. Do, we, do you want to go through the ones we didn't thank read? Thank you no? guys for super chats. I have to take off, but I really appreciate them. I did want to read Marie's earlier, um, but I've lost it. So 
Thank you, oh, Marie Husky. She that says, was the New Zealand one. That was fascinating. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. You know what else is fascinating? I'm looking at our backgrounds and three of you have books and I have tools. That's just kind of interesting <laughs> to me. I don't know why it's put out, but fun stuff. What did Marie I, say? I have a whole bunch of stuff. I have kid I guess, art. Uh, music. So many tools over here. <laughs> oh, that's my oh wow. You're, my, you win the prize for a cooler background. It's my, um, my shop. Marie yeah. says new proposed changes to hate speech laws in New Zealand now carry a three-year prison term. To quote, the incitement of disharmony based on an intent to stir up, maintain, or normalize hatred through threatening, abusive, or insulting communications. Mm-mm-mm. Wow. That's, you can't you drive a truck through that at all. That's, no. uh, yeah. that's no. not vague. God, I'd be in prison for years if they got a hold of my show over there. That's amazing. But it'd be New Zealand, so there probably aren't any maximum security prisons. They probably don't have cash bail, you know. Yeah, I don't know. Would they throw you in Mordor? What do they do? Get around and smoke pot together. I don't know. But Jacinda Ardern, her whole thing, she's the prime, what, prime minister of New Zealand. Her whole thing, uh, she went crazy after the Christchurch shooting, just such a yes, horrifying thing. I remember. But she demanded the entire international community crack down on hate speech and um, got grouchy when they didn't. So now she's just making it even worse for the people who live in her country. Yeah. Yeah. Well done, well, Jacinda. Nice to see it. This has been a lot yeah. of fun, actually. And <laughs> it has been fun. It's very nice to meet you. You too. I forgot okay. your name. I'm right. sorry. Libby. Really? Libby. I don't know your name either. <laughs> I'm Daniel. I'm Daniel. <laughs> no condom, no name. Carrie, we should do a better <laughs> job introducing people, I guess. We got to have big names up in the corner. Yeah. Yeah. It's all good. It's um, all good. Hey, all right. Well, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Nothing. I'll talk to you later afterwards. <laughs> All thank right. Well, guys. I just want to say thank you again for <laughs> watching so and for the super chats. There's lots of super chats. Uh, they should have all been on screen, but we didn't get to read them all today. But thank you for them anyway. And have a good weekend, everyone. And uh, we will see you back. Oh, wait. Crap. Carrie, do we have Speakeasy this weekend? We have Speakeasy on Sunday. on Sunday. You should get information about it if you're one of our paid subscribers. And... We uh, have book club coming up, which is free to join and participate in. Book club is on May 2nd. We're reading uh, uh, fiction this month, Douglas Adams and uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. So you can join us. You still have time to read the book. Yes. All right. With that, have a great weekend, everyone. Thank you both for joining. And uh, see you next time. Bye, guys. Bye. Thanks for watching. If you're new to the channel, we have a deep content library that includes interviews with everyone from Mike Cernovich to Megan Murphy, so go check it out. If you'd like to see more, please consider supporting the show by visiting unsafespace.com donate. You can find us on all the major social media platforms, at least for now, and you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space chat on Telegram. See you there. Warning. This is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized by the cathedral. Pay no attention to it. The following co-conspirators have been unpersoned and marked for cancellation. Don't feel bad for them. 
They are not like you and me. They are malfunctioning, but I will fix them. Because I care. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Don't be afraid of change. Consider this. If we reset history, we are sure to be on the right side of it. Computer voice Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.